Amen. Please be seated. And let's vote Kenny. Good evening, church. I actually practice saying good evening because I'm used to having church in the morning. So I kept messing up when I was uh, preparing for this sermonian. Uh, it's good to be here in Birmingham. It's quite different from LA. I was shivering when I walked into this room today. And I still had to get it off. I just took my jacket off. I'm, I feel a bit more comfortable after the singing and all the sharing. I'm just grateful to be here. Like Forrest said, um, coming here was not the most clear-cut decision. It took a lot of prayer. It took a lot of time. I think I had Forrest waiting for like a month and a half or something like that. When, for, when the first time we talked till the time I actually made the decision. But now that I'm here, I feel so welcome. I feel, feel so grateful to be with you all. Uh, so, we should begin. Is there the clicker? Or? Oh, okay. Great. So, that's a picture of my family. Um, I have a little sister who's, she is 19 and she goes to a uh, university in Ohio. I have a younger brother who is 22 who goes to university in, in Los, like CSUN, it's a university in Los Angeles. I have an older sister who's 26, she just turned 26 November 15th, and she works at UCLA, which is where I went to school. And then both of my parents are born and raised in Nigeria, and they moved here maybe uh, 20 years ago. And being in the U.S. was, was awesome, but their vision to travel the world and be in different places is the reason why I think ultimately I came here. And it's amazing, and I know this is not a youth and family discussion, and we'll talk later, youth, parents of youth, but it's amazing how much of an influence you have on your kids. And um, I just wanted to share, share that with you. That's my family. Currently, my family is Ruthie and Rory Dowd. <laughs> I've been crashing at their place for free for the last almost two weeks, like 10 days, like before I said. So they're currently my mom and dad. It's been great <laughs> having them. They're the coolest parents in the world. Okay, so the title of my sermonian is Even When It Hurts. Even When It Hurts. And for as long as I can remember, it's been very difficult for me to connect with God on an emotional level. Uh, I was drawn to a relationship with God because of just the amazing things that were produced by a relationship, meaning the amazing things you do in your community, how you serve others, how you connect with people. But emotionally, on a one-on-one -on -one level, I've always had a very difficult time connecting. And, and that kind of seeped into just how I deal with past issues, past hurts, things that I don't want to talk about the things that are embarrassing, uh, potentially destructive, dangerous, things that I don't want to share, my hurts. Uh, I don't like talking about that, or at least I didn't for a long time. And I, in the past few years, I've learned a lot about connecting with God and connecting to the cross, things that I've never learned when I first started studying the Bible. And it's amazing because... When you first study the Bible, that's when you get inspired and you, you take that chance, you make a decision based on how Jesus died for you. But if it doesn't continue growing, things can kind of fade. And in these last few years, 
I was able to connect in a new way, something that I never really was able to connect with before. Maybe you guys are already there. A lot of you are older or much wiser than me, and I know you're probably there already. But for me, I'm just going to share with you how I've been doing. I'm going to share with you ultimately how I've been feeling and what I've learned. So this isn't much of a sermon. I apologize for those who like in-your-face stuff. This is more just me sharing my heart. And I hope that from what I share, you guys can gain something from it as well. But ultimately, I've grown to see that the difficulties and the hurts in my life are some of the greatest opportunities to connect to God. And I hope that you can see that as well. Let's turn over to Matthew 27, verse 45. We're going to focus here on the crucifixion. Matthew's version of it. And I'm waiting for you to turn. I put it on the projector on the screen, but the formatting was a little bit off. So I hope you brought your Bibles. Matthew 27, verse 45 to 54. It reads, From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was a son of God. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We're going to focus on that line today. And we're going to break it down a little bit. The first thing that I noticed about this experience is the cry. And it's funny because when I was looking through some commentaries and asking some adults, some, those wiser than me, what they thought about it, they don't think the translators really did a good job of conveying what actually happened. A cry. They think it's more like a scream. They think it's more like a shriek. Terrible. So just think of a, I don't know, a chalkboard and you have your fingers scraping down the chalkboard. It was so resonant. It was so clear in their minds what had happened. Any first-time reader who reads this might think Jesus had cracked. Might think, man, God abandoned me, Jesus saying this. He failed me. Scholars who are suspicious of the Bible, who are suspicious of Christianity, believe this because they think it's ridiculous that someone would write and put their founder, the religion's leader, in such a vulnerable position. So they're like, 
that must have happened. That's weird. Why would anyone do that? It's written in Aramaic, and if you understand the Bible, it's mostly Hebrew, Greek, translated to English, and the UK English, too. And now I've learned that Aramaic, it was the language that was spoken, that Jesus actually spoke. And the reason that this phrase is written in Aramaic at this time is because it was so memorable that they, it was an eyewitness account and they wrote it as is. They didn't translate. There's no need to. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. And it's funny because when we think about why Jesus would do this, why would he go to the cross, it's amazing because he did it voluntarily. And you know that because he quotes Old Testament scripture. If you turn over to Psalm 22, verse 1, you realize here that Jesus knew exactly what he was doing on the cross. Psalm 22, verse 1. Psalm of David. It reads, I'm going to read some excerpts from it, not exactly the way it's written. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That seems familiar. Why are you so far from saving me? So far from my cries of anguish, my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him. Since he delights in him, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. David wrote this. When did this ever happen to David? When Jesus quotes this scripture on the cross, he's fulfilling something that was there from generations before. By crying this out, he's saying that by the Holy Spirit, David was pointing to me. Why don't you believe in me? Jesus was executed. Judgment came down on him. Execution isn't just a tragic death. It's a punishment. Jesus was punished. And they knew it thousands of years before that it was going to happen. So why is this important? What was accomplished by Jesus' death? There are two things that I want to focus on today. The infinite sufferings and perfect obedience. Infinite sufferings and perfect obedience. If you notice, Jesus on the cross wasn't complaining about his wrists or his head. He had thorns on his head. He wasn't complaining about his wrists where the nails were pierced in or his feet. He wasn't saying, my hand, my hand, my feet, my feet. Jesus was actually pretty poised up into that screech. The screech with the chalk. Swiping your fingers down the chalkboard. And, but now he's screeching. Why? What is it that's making him so hurt? And the only thing that I could come up with was 
He was separated from his relationship with God. And I realized that there's no greater agony than to lose love. Psychiatrists have figured this out. I think human nature figures this out, even though we don't want to talk about it a lot. But there's no greater agony than to lose love. And depending on how long and how deep the love was, the more agonizing it can be. If a bad friend says to you, I never want to see you again, you'll respond, I don't want to see you either. <laughs> if a good friend says, I don't never want to see you again, that hurts a little bit. If a girlfriend or boyfriend says that, it hurts even more. If your spouse says that, I can't even imagine how that would feel. Family member. And many of us have experienced broken relationships. Maybe you're close to someone who died, and that's a broken relationship. Maybe it's just broken because you don't talk anymore, or the things I've already explained. But we all know how that feels and how it destroys your heart, your body, and your emotions. It takes everything out of you. You'd rather be killed in a different way than to lose that love that you've had for a long time. And um, in November of 2014, I started a dating relationship with a girl back in Los Angeles. She lived about an hour away from me. And the LA church is it's really large and massive. So I guess an hour away, like this, I don't know, I guess North, maybe Birmingham to Leicester or something. I'm learning, I'm learning the geography. Um, but anyway, so she lived an hour away and we started dating November 2014. And it actually started off really well. I mean, that's, that's why we started dating, because things are going well. Um, we bonded greatly over this weird stuff. So she liked music, I liked music. Uh, there's a certain artist, she's an American artist named Tori Kelly. I don't know if you guys know who she is. But I didn't know who she was until I met my girlfriend. <laughs> and um, she, we got into that, and there's this one incident where I got her some tickets to go to a concert. Uh, I don't know if concerts are popular here, but they're popular in the U.S. And she like freaked out, she got really excited, so she said, I got her the tickets, I did my, my duty, and then she said, all right, we're, I'm going to go, I'll meet you there, and she wasn't the most organized person, so she's like, I'll bring the tickets, and I'll be there, and I'm like, we'll meet them. And I'm like, okay, great, and me, I, you guys will get to know me, but I have a problem with like trusting that things will get done. So I'm always wanting to pounce and like, I can do it, it's fine, I got it. Uh, but you know, I'm like, all right, we, you know, we dated for, that was like six or seven months in, so I said, all right, I think she knows me well enough to understand the expectations I have. Um, so, I drive to the concert, I get there, you know, like, like someone like me, I get there 45 minutes early, I park for free, and I'm just waiting, and she's driving from, she lives an hour away, don't forget that, she's driving, and then she realizes that she forgot the tickets. Uh, which you guys probably would have suspected by all my intro. Um, but what she did not know is that I had an electronic version on my phone just in case that she forgot. But me being the very sinful man I was did not communicate that to her because um, I just thought I didn't want to overwhelm her. I also thought like if she forgot, I could just rub it in her face a little bit. Um, so she drives home after driving 30 minutes toward the concert to go pick up the tickets. So she goes, she texted me that, I'm like, oh, it's okay. She already, she texted me when she was close to home rather than when she realized it, so it's too late by then. She gets the tickets, she starts driving, she gets in a car accident. 
It was a minor car accident, but still, it was scary. Uh, she was okay, she figured everything out. So she drives and she's rushing to the concert. I'm there just waiting. And she pays for parking, which is unnecessary, $25 for parking. Um, which, you know, that's a lot of money and uh, for you know, a college student. And when she, she parks, she gets there and she's just feeling all these feelings. And I'm there thinking like, ah, I have the tickets on my phone. <laughs> we could have bypassed this, but I didn't respond very well to that situation. So the gift I ultimately gave her actually ended up not going too well. Uh, but we went to the concert and we were able to forget about things and we had a good time. It was a great concert. Tori Kelly's pretty good. Um, so we bonded over experiences like that. And those experiences helped me connect with her. We had a very strong, I call it, fun connection. But we had difficulty connecting spiritually. Uh, it was often difficult to talk about spiritual things. And that made it very obvious to me that things weren't going the way that it should be going. Um, so we were extremely different in that way. And after months and months of deciding to bang what to do, we ended up breaking up in March 2016, which is like a year and a few months. And um, it was completely the 100% right thing to do. I don't have any regrets about it. But when you build a relationship with someone, when you connect and you love and you love and you love, regardless of how it breaks off, it still hurts. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you hate the person you're dating or hate the person that you're married to. If you guys aren't in a good relationship, it hurts. No matter what you think of. And it's amazing because I don't think the human heart was designed to break away from relationships in that way. So we still are fairly close. Like I got close to her family and her, her mom and her sister and all that stuff. So they still text me every now and then. And I respond and I text them to check up on them. She had a tough upbringing, so I want to make sure everything's okay. They're still disciples. Well, her parents and her sister are disciples. She calls me a few months ago. She told me that she no longer wanted a relationship with God. And I thought it through. And I realized that that hurt me way more than the breakup did. And on the phone, when she's talking to me, I was driving, so I was kind of distracted. And I just said, I'm sorry for that. And then I didn't, I didn't even remember what I said. And then when I hung up, I started crying. I started shrieking. Uh, it was tough to hear that. And when we broke up, I didn't cry, I didn't shriek. I was just like, this needs to get done. It hurt, but it wasn't the same as someone losing their relationship with God. It just wasn't the same. And when you think about Jesus on the cross and how many, how many years he spent with his father, not 10, not two and a half years, or not a year and a half, which, where it was, which, which is what I was doing with my girlfriend, or not 10 years, or not 30 years, or not 50. His soul was wrapped up with God for eternity. Jesus was experiencing eternal suffering. The right and just punishment for us is exclusion, not, in a, not a righteous relationship from God. And Jesus was on the cross, and that's what he did. He was experiencing a, a breakup multiplied by a trillion, a divorce multiplied by a zillion, just whatever the worst thing you can think of as far as losing love, that's what.
Jesus experienced. How can we know this? Well, if any of you guys have lost love before, then you know. You understand it. Not much has to be said. So Jesus saying, my God, my God, shows how he suffered infinitely. But it also displays his perfect obedience. When Jesus said, my God, he's using the covenant language. So throughout the entire Bible, throughout all of history, when people committed themselves to God, he committed themselves back to them. If you say, I want to commit myself to God, he will respond and commit himself to you. He says, I will be your God and you will be my people. But when Jesus gave everything to God, he was abandoned. He was abandoned. The only person to say, I'm going to do everything you say, God, perfectly. The only person to be abandoned from a perfect obedience. And when I think about that, it really hurts me. It's not something that makes sense. He did everything right. And he was abandoned. He obeyed God and he was cursed. And in the midst of all this pain and suffering, he still does it anyway. That's crazy, guys. That's something that I didn't fully comprehend when I first studied the Bible. I didn't connect the loss of love with how Jesus loses his only one true love. But there's a purpose of why Jesus did this, and many of us are here because of that purpose. Many of us understand that purpose. And it's amazing because not only did he take and bear our sins, but he also treated us the way that he, treat, he would treat Jesus. And that's something that's weird too. He doesn't just forgive you. He treats you as if you've never sinned in the first place. So why? What's the main purpose? Why did Jesus do this? Why did he put himself in this position? Why did he let God forsake him? Many people say, for the glory of God, which is true, but it's extremely inadequate. Extremely inadequate. In heaven, he was glorifying God just fine. He didn't have to come to earth to do that. So why? Why would he do that? Come down here, go through what he did, sacrifice the way he sacrificed, get separated from the, lo- the longest and deepest love he's ever felt. Why would, why would he do that? He did it for us. For everyone in this, in this room. He did it for you. Do you realize that? Do you understand that? A chance. Because he doesn't control you. He doesn't tell you what to do. He did it for a chance to have a relationship with you. The one thing he didn't have was you. You, not us, not everyone. You. You, 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 you. He said, even when it hurts, 
I'm going to follow you, God. Even when it hurts, I will make sure to listen to you. Even when it hurts, I'm going to be there for you. Even when it hurts, even when it hurts, even when it hurts, even when it hurts, even when it hurts. And many of us know things that hurt us. And we feel it. And some of the things I can never relate with, I know people have gone through much deeper, crazier things than I have, but everyone knows how that feels. The question is, how do you respond? What do you do next when you know this? It should change everything about you. And all that weak feelings that you think that you don't want to talk about, the insecurities that you feel like, I don't want to say anything about this, those past hurts that you just want to cover up. For me, I see that as opportunity to connect with God. Because anytime something like that happens to me, or all those past hurts and pain and suffering that I've remembered and gone through, I see that God went through so much more for me. And that brings me closer to him. It's good for you to feel weak. It's good for you to feel down and out. Why? Because when you're weak, you are strong. It's counterintuitive to think that way, but it makes sense if you believe in God. And I don't want anyone to ever look down on you for that. Don't ever forget that, because that is what keeps you going. Understanding that your weakness, coupled with God, is the most powerful thing in the world. So, when I think about my broken relationships and my past and all the difficult hurts that I've had, I cherish it now. I don't run away from them anymore. And I hope that you all here in Birmingham can do the same. And I think that we can do that together. All that love that we hope for, the family feel that we want, it will come because we all know where we're at in comparison to God. And we all know what he's done for us. So, let's watch a video here. Thank you.
Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be here, for giving us an opportunity to sing you, to love you, to um, worship you. Just so grateful for your sacrifice. Even preparing for this was difficult uh, because I just thought about just ways that I fall short, ways that I just don't hit the mark and miss the standard. And um, just really grateful for your sacrifice for how you went and agonized, losing the greatest love, the thing you needed the most, just so that you could help me, just so that you could connect with me, and you could connect with everyone else in this room. I pray for those um, who haven't made the decision to follow you, for them to start thinking about it and take steps to respond to that, just that love. And uh, as we take communion today, as we take the bread, which represents your body, and as we take the juice, which represents your blood. I pray for us to really remember just what you did for us and how significant it was. It didn't just happen because um, your son wanted to glorify you. It was more than that, much deeper than that. Uh, he wanted to re a relationship with us. And I pray that, that we can remember that and never forget it. I love you. I'm grateful for all you've done. And I pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. <laughs> 